And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. I ran into a Carlsbad local earlier this week at a coffee shop, and we got to talking about skateboarding. He grew up skating in the village and shared with me that one of his favorite spots back in the day was at St. Michael's. Along the west side of our south parking lot, there is about a four-foot drop from the parking lot to the street below. There's a fence there now, but back then, evidently, skaters would ollie from the parking lot down to Garfield Street. A spot like this is often called a gap referring to the distance between two rideable objects. And in this case, the gap was the air between the elevated parking lot and the street below. Back then, as now, there were no skateboarding signs posted, coupled with the constant shooing from clergy and staff. As such, the local skaters affectionately named their beloved spot the Thou Shalt Not Gap. What a fabulous piece of local history. I think it deserves a memorial plaque. And this story also reveals a wee bit of biblical knowledge on the part of the skaters. The Christian faith is often, and not wrongly, associated with the commandments of God, in particular the Big Ten. The majority of the Ten Commandments are in the form of the negative, thou shalt not. Thus, the Christian life is often perceived as a restrictive exercise. Avoid the negative, refrain from the bad, don't sin. As far as objectives of the Christian life go, this is not untrue, but it's also not the full truth. The revolution of the Christian faith, made clear as day in the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, is that the old law is fulfilled in the new. Where the old law was primarily focused on avoiding the negative, thou shalt not, the new law is an invitation to revel in and to do the positive. Thou shalt love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. The old law is not abolished by the new, it is fulfilled and then some. For example, to live a truly righteous, holy, and godly life is not merely refraining from murdering one's neighbor. Don't get me wrong, that's a great start. But what if in addition to not murdering our neighbor, what if we also, in addition to that, loved them? Now we're getting somewhere. The new law to love God and love our neighbor not only fulfills the old, it transcends it. In today's gospel, our Lord gives a profound lesson on this, the heart of the Christian faith. There's a rich young ruler who runs up to Jesus and kneels before him. Matthew tells us he was young. Luke tells us he was a ruler. And together with Mark, all three bear witness to his wealth. He asks Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus first responds by saying, Why do you call me good? 
No one is good but God alone. Let's just pause here for a moment. Jesus is not here denying his divinity. Quite the contrary. The young man is obviously oblivious to our Lord's true identity. He does not recognize Jesus as God. Our Lord's response then is designed to point the young man to this important revelation. Only God is good, so why are you calling me good? The rhetorical question hangs in the air. Jesus proceeds to answer this young man's question by giving him a careful selection of some of those Ten Commandments. In particular, he lists numbers six through nine. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. He throws in a freebie of his own with don't defraud. Then he tacks on number five, honor your father and mother. Jesus recites five of the 10. Which commandments does he leave out? Well, he leaves out the first four, Thou shalt have no other gods but me. Thou shalt have no idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. And number 10, thou shalt not covet. We see in this exchange a display of masterful rhetoric. Our Lord is about to address these five commandments that he has left out in one fell swoop with what comes next. So the young man feels confident that he has kept all the commandments that Jesus listed. Fair enough. But Jesus knows this man's heart. As it says in today's epistle to the Hebrews, the word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Our Lord sees into this man's heart. He loves him, so he tells him the truth. You lack one thing, he says. Go, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Notice that Jesus does not stop at sell what you have and give to the poor. The full charge is to sell what you have, give to the poor, so that you might be freed to come and follow me. It is the attachment to the things of the world that hinder and prevent our ability to freely follow God. As Jesus teaches elsewhere, we cannot serve both God and mammon. We cannot follow Jesus We cannot love him and serve him if we are stuck to the earth by our attachment to the things of this world. So the point is not simply to become unstuck, but to become unstuck so that we can freely follow him. And this is a very challenging word. It's very important to underscore this point, that there is nothing wrong with wealth, material possessions and money in and of themselves. They're only problematic insofar as they tie us down to the world and impinge on our ability to follow God and put him first. St. John Chrysostom teaches that Jesus was not criticizing money itself, 
but the wills of those who are taken captive by it. And St. John warns us, saying, The tyranny of money is a powerful thing, as is clear here. Though we are practiced in the other virtues, avarice brings the others to ruin. In other words, such is the power of avarice and greed and of money that it has the power to wipe out a host of other virtues. Precisely because these are worldly in nature, money and earthly possessions, they have a powerful magnetism that can draw us away from God and keep us grounded to the things of the world. As such, we must be all the more vigilant, ever mindful of their power and persuasion. Yes, it is possible to care too much for them, more so than we care for other human beings more so than we care for God. Wealth can very subtly take the place of God. It can become a false God, an idol. It can so easily stoke the fires of envy and jealousy and covetousness in our hearts. If we profess our allegiance to God and then put an idol in his place, we take the Lord's name in vain. Our actions betray the words of our lips and even the belief in our hearts. What about the connection between the dangers of wealth and the commandment to keep holy the Sabbath? Well, actually, the Sabbath is in fact a kind of tithe and offering to God similar to the way our material wealth is. The Sabbath is a tithe of our time. It is one day out of seven set apart for God, a day to be kept holy, a day of rest, how tempting is it to feel that we can't be bothered? We don't have enough time for ourselves, for all the stuff that we want to do, let alone for God. How can we possibly take our precious time, dare I say, waste our precious time and offer it to God? We can hardly afford a couple hours, let alone an entire day. This is the very same principle with our material goods, with our wealth. How tempting is it to feel that we can't be bothered? We don't have enough wealth for ourselves, for all the stuff that we want, for all the stuff that we feel we need, let alone for God. How can we possibly take our precious possessions, dare I say waste our precious possessions, and offer them to God? We can hardly afford a few dollars, let alone 10%. This is precisely why we have the spiritual disciplines to keep us in check, to free ourselves from ourselves. We keep the Sabbath holy as an offering to God for all the time that he has given to us. We give God a tithe of our wealth as an offering of thanksgiving for all the wealth and material, material possessions he has blessed us with. We do not give in order to get. We give as an act of love and thanksgiving for God's gifts to us. And yet there is no getting around our Lord's words in today's gospel that it is in giving that we receive in abundance. A hundredfold, he says, in this life and in the age to come, eternal life. It is in offering our earthly time and treasure that we are blessed by heavenly time 
and heavenly treasure. To put ourselves first and God second is in fact to be last. But choosing last place, voluntarily emptying ourselves and putting God first in all things, this is in reality first place. This is a life filled with and fulfilled by the love of God, the fruits of his spirit, and his heavenly treasure. Yes, this teaching can feel overwhelming, scary, even impossible, which is why our Lord ends on the note that he does. With men, he says, under our own human strength and effort, it is quite literally impossible. But not with God, he says, for all things are possible with God. So St. Augustine writes, It is hard to be saved if we have riches, and impossible if we love them. Teach us, O Lord, this difficult lesson to manage conscientiously the goods we possess and not covetously desire more than you give to us. St. Clement of Alexandria encourages us, if one is able in the midst of wealth to turn away from its mystique, to entertain moderate desires, to exercise self-control, to seek God alone, and to breathe God and walk with God. Such a man submits to the commandments, being free, unsubdued, free of disease, unwounded by wealth. May God give us the grace needed to unburden ourselves from whatever it is in our lives that is tethering us to this world and preventing us from freely following him. May God give us the grace to cross over the thou shalt not gap and enter into the joy of his kingdom, loving God, loving our neighbor freely for our salvation and for that of the world. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.